Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And John, I'd like to wish you a slightly belated International Left-Handers Day. <laughs> As we discovered while podcasting sometime last year, we are both Southpaws, uh, so with Tuesday having been Left-Handers Day, this is a big week for Gamble On. Uh, here's my question, John. Do you wear your watch on your right wrist, as all the best lefties do? Hmm. Uh, so, kids, a watch is something that people used to wear on their wrist to find out what time <laughs> it was. Um, it was replaced by something called a cell phone uh, many years ago. Wait, there's a Google Watch now or something like that. I think um, uh-huh. I don't even I don't even know what that is. But um, <laughs> now I used to have a gold pocket watch back in my single days. No kidding. Ooh, okay. Which, in retrospect, I guess would explain why I was single. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but to end the suspense that you asked the question, uh, yeah, I, I wore a watch in my right hand, of course. Uh, I'm a pure lefty in all sports endeavors except hockey. My right-handed twin and I were given the hockey sticks on the same Christmas day, and each instinctively picked the wrong one. Although in many sports, <laughs> hockey included, uh, you know, golf and baseball, there's an argument that it works better the opposite way anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When when I, when I was a kid and we got our first hockey sticks, they were the 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 end of the stick was plastic, so you could sort of step on it and bend it from left to right handed as needed. So I never I never had to go righty in hockey. Uh, but the, there is one thing that I do right handed, and that's cut with scissors. Uh, at, at some point in elementary school, I taught myself to cut right handed because too often there were no left handed scissors. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, that was an issue for sure. But yeah. uh, the plastic hockey tip end, but that's brutal you, you guys just you you missed the real the real days I tell you. <laughs> my, my generation is soft because we didn't have all it wood is. hockey sticks oh yes. definitely definitely yeah <laughs> you probably played indoors too it's even worse <laughs> uh no i'm actually more imagining like out on the basketball court that was sort of near my house but uh but yeah and i wasn't much of a hockey player with, with either hand the one thing that i did particularly well left-handed in my prime my slice serve to the ad court was a thing to behold yeah, but no, no, pond hockey, you play outdoor hockey on a pond with no adult <laughs> supervision. That was... <laughs> oh, yeah, that was now great. anything that involves actual skates, uh, I'm out. So, yeah, no, uh, not, that's not my game. I was thinking street hockey. But... Uh, uh, 
Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you know, my generation uh, is, yeah. isn't quite what your generation was. That's true, all I can say. True. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 53 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 52 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. And just remember, the show is made by two left-handers, but it's made for lefties and righties alike. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by former New Jersey State Senator Ray Lesniak, uh, clearly one of the most important people in the saga that resulted in the Supreme Court decision overturning that passed by 1992 federal law that uh, basically created this podcast and everything else we do <laughs> these yep. days. Uh, and we'll discuss momentarily in that news segment. Uh, There's a major NFL deal this week related to sports betting that uh, – uh, Senator Lesniak can weigh in on and, and on that and the state of sports betting in New Jersey and elsewhere. Uh, but first, it's been yet another busy news week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. There's no question what the biggest gambling industry news of the week was. The NFL, the league that not so long ago said it viewed sports betting as the number one threat to the integrity of the game, took a huge step in the direction of, if you can't beat them, join them, announcing on Monday a partnership with Sport Radar, giving the Swiss company the right to distribute NFL official data. The other major sports leagues all signed data deals already. Now the NFL gets in on the action. And the sports books that want to use the data, which is helpful for in-game betting and all sorts of specialty markets, will have to pay for it. Uh, there's an off-cited quote in boxing from Hall of Fame promoter Bob Arum, who famously said, Yesterday I was lying, today I'm telling the truth. Uh, so, John, was the NFL lying in 2012 and in 2019 they're telling the truth? Did they have an honest change of heart? Or are they actually still opposed to sports betting, but they're just following the money anyway? Yeah, you know, Eric, my, my main takeaway is that my podcast picks have been terrible for months, obviously. Um, and so I can laugh at myself. You can laugh at me even better. Uh, the audience can laugh at me as well. It's all good. Um, but I've been proud of my gaming industry analysis. And then last week I told our listeners the NFL probably wouldn't embrace sports betting until Roger Goodell left as commissioner. So now, yeah, my my poor <laughs> prognosticating is bleeding into the analysis segment. Oh, um, no. I, yeah, I, I kind of need a hug. I don't know. But, um, but back to the question. Um, I've thought about this a lot, really. Uh, the only thing that makes sense to me is that as strong and fierce as the NFL is, there's something stronger and fiercer, one thing, that can make their lives miserable. That's the federal government. Um, Congress overwhelmingly passed that infamous and avoided passport law you mentioned in 1992. And the DOJ fought to various degrees of enthusiasm, admittedly, but uh, tried to uphold it. Uh, then the Supreme Court turned everything upside down last year. But the NFL had the most to lose if suddenly Congress went all kumbaya bipartisan and decided to ban sports betting, which, you know, by the way, it could have done in 1982 and could still do tomorrow. Uh, no one in the case disputes that. Passport was just so inept that they couldn't survive constitutional muster. Um, but there is the option for federal government to just jump in at any time. So I see the NFL waits over a year, sees which way the wind is blowing. Uh, there is no wind in Congress, so, <laughs> although that's... That can be debated. Um, so here we are. <laughs> huh, okay, so so you're you're saying that uh, they didn't necessarily have a, a change of heart. They just they are indeed following the money, but they wanted to be cautious about making sure that they're in the clear and that things are indeed headed in this direction in a uh, not just a temporary sense. That, that's that's about the most logical uh, equation I can have. I I mean I'm it it is mystifying, but uh, that that's what I got to think that. 
when you're as big as the NFL and you think, well, am I the top dog in the in the food chain? Basically, there's only one bigger bigger dog, and that's Congress. So right. I don't think they ever want to mess with Congress. Right. And I mean, I would guess, and this is just uh, pure guess and mind reading, but I would guess that there are people among the NFL brass who have moral objections to sports betting still, uh, but who realize that tr- that train has left the station. So, you know, they're just uh, if there are people who are opposed, whether Goodell or anyone else at this point, they've decided, hey, do what's best for business. And, uh, and uh, that's what they're doing. But uh, an interesting detail here, uh, by the way, an, an underpublicized but very important part of this deal is that Sport Radar will track betting patterns for the NFL, uh, something that's being referred to as integrity monitoring. Uh, basically, the same way strange betting patterns exposed fixes in tennis, Sport Radar will supposedly help ensure that if something fishy is afoot, the NFL will know about it. And I would hope that that information get shared with the various state commissions and and so forth. Uh, but that was that was an interesting little detail of this deal that I didn't notice at first pass. Yeah, and that that really is integrity, and that actually is helpful, and that's exactly why legal regulated gambling uh, is is so useful to every league. But yep. um, it it took New Jersey to uh, wake everybody up, but that's okay. Yep, always always bragging about New Jersey, and you know what? Okay. Uh, because you you pointed out something that uh, that that you that you got wrong in terms of a, a prediction. Uh, let's uh, let's give you due credit for having been very right so far. Knock wood, not trying to jinx it on on New York at least. Uh, that remains <laughs> your uh, your trophy example, I guess, of uh, just uh, seeing what's coming down the road while a lot of other people uh, have have misread the signs so far. Yeah, I needed that. That's sort of like a uh, <laughs> that was sort your, of like a hug. Yeah, that was just gonna say that was the closest I could do to giving you a hug right now. <laughs> so we could probably talk more uh, about this this whole NFL sport radar deal. Uh, you know, could have gone on for several more minutes here, but since we will be talking about it at greater length uh, with Senator Lesniak, this is probably a good place to stop and move on to story number two. Our second story falls under the sports gambling media heading. Daily Wager, which has been running for five months on ESPN News at 6 p.m. weekdays, essentially the number three ESPN network, is moving to ESPN2, which, as the name implies, is the number two ESPN network, uh, except on Wednesday nights when it becomes the Ocho and televises the National Cornhole Championships. But I digress. Uh, Anyway, the worldwide leader is also adding a Sunday morning edition of Daily Wager during football season, uh, a perfect show for me to watch as I prepare to finalize my Pennsylvania Pick'em entries each week. Uh, Suits and bean counters can tell you all they want, that they're happy with how a show is performing But the proof is in the action, not the words. And the action here suggests that Daily Wager must be reaching or exceeding expectations in terms of its audience. This isn't really huge news. It's just a slight positive shift and and an expansion. But I think in the big picture, this makes an important statement about the appetite for sports gambling programming. John, am I off base or... Could this Daily Wager news have a ripple effect, causing other networks, radio stations, websites, etc., to ramp up their betting-centric sports coverage? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, ESPN still is that worldwide leader. People wince at that uh, description, but uh, right. it's true, and their actions matter. So I think ESPN2 is just the right platform for this. Um, mm-hmm. It's understood that ESPN is the white bread, whole milk, apple pie brand. You know, ESPN might have a little spice to it, uh, not nearly as much as that ESPN Ocho you mentioned, but but still. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I also think there's an audience for, of non-gamblers, actually, who can handle, who are big sports fans, and they can handle a preview show about point spreads. You know, they may be in their office pool, they have a team they love and some teams that they hate, and they can enjoy, you know, watching such a show. Um, in-game, as we said, might be trickier. Um right. But even there, clued in listeners have heard, you know, Brenton Musburger, Al Michaels and others for decades slipping in point spread and over under remarks to no real protest. So there's a little room there, too. But uh, particularly for this kind of a show. Yeah, absolutely. I think this was smart by ESPN. And I think it's going to do well. Yeah. And Al Michaels still, you know, goes with the just the occasional subtle reference. Brent Musburger has fully embraced it and basically uh, is as much a sports gambling broadcaster as he is a a football broadcaster at this point in his career. Yeah, he's he's one of the guys in the desert he used to talk about. (laughs) Yep. Um, And I I don't have too much else to say about this Daily Wager news, except just a a quick congratulations to the host of the show, uh, Doug Kazarian, who keeps me firmly in my place as, at best, the second most prominent Brown alum in the gambling media space. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Brown, that's in um, New New England, I think, somewhere. It is. It is in a legal sports betting state, Rhode Island. There you go. Okay. All right. We conclude the news segment with a subject we don't cover too often on the podcast, slot machines. At Wednesday's Pennsylvania Gaming Control Board hearing, the biggest news was that three different land-based casinos petitioned to reduce their slot machine counts, presumably to make room for sports books or other amenities. And a Pennsylvania state official opposed this development, calling it very concerning, essentially because, as he said in not so many words, the state taxes slot machines higher than everything else, and the state is just in it to maximize its tax revenue. The most telling quote from this unidentified state official was, casinos were put into place in Pennsylvania for property tax relief. They aren't here because we wanted to add new businesses to Pennsylvania. It was a means to an end. Uh, now, a, a counter argument from the casinos was that fewer machines doesn't necessarily mean less revenue. Uh, they're mostly just clearing out the older machines that hardly anybody plays. Uh, anyway, the reduction in slot machines was approved. But, John, what do you make of this state official basically saying Pennsylvania doesn't care about adding businesses and jobs? It just cares about collecting tax dollars. Well, you know, Eric, I like honest politicians and regulators, so uh, <laughs> I was kind of cool with that. Um, okay. You know, I've been a bit of a contrarian, as you know, regarding Pennsylvania. You know, gaming industry people hate the high tax rates across the board they have on gambling. Uh, it cuts into their profits and makes spending on marketing very difficult. It's true. Uh, betters hate it because of real or imagined higher takeouts to make up for the high taxes. Um, but Pennsylvania taxpayers who don't gamble have seen tons of money trickling the state treasury annually as gaming operators harumph and then they keep ponying up. So uh, they've been ahead of the game so far, but... Uh, now it's so much gambling in Pennsylvania, you know, online lotteries, locking horns with mobile sports betting. Uh, it seems like every truck stop in the state is headed for a slot caller. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think we're finally seeing a hint of how far is too far. Hmm. But, you know, to me, that's the kind of the purpose of having 50 independent states. You know, you watch different models and you learn from each other. Um, I remember New Jersey's low casino tax rate produced like a 30-year boom in Atlantic City. Uh, peaked in 2003. I went to the Borgata opening. Uh, then rivals reached spending hundreds of millions of dollars to keep up with the new kids, and they could afford it because of low tax rate. So New Jersey was great. What a perfect model. Then New York and Pennsylvania casinos opened up, huge tax rates. Things got pretty local, and New Jersey got jealous of all the extra money their neighbors made when they could have had that kind of extra money. So, you know, it was a it was a smart move, and then it wasn't a smart move. So, you know, Pennsylvania has some work to do to tamp down a few fires here, but um, they may have finally found a tipping point, I think, on how high is too high. They may be too high. Hmm. 
Interesting. Um, well, one note on just sort of this uh, discussion that was being had uh, at the hearing over uh, what it means to remove slot machines was that uh, a representative from Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh claimed that they recently had a reduction in slot machines due to some construction in the casino and that revenues went up during that period anyway. So, you know, that is, I guess, a small sample size type of example, but uh, they were using that to point out that uh, I guess in a way it ties in with the sort of how much is, is too much that even just on a single casino floor, there is a point where if you have a certain number of slot machines that so greatly outnumbers the number of people passing through your casino, it's kind of pointless. You want uh, enough for for many of the slot machines to be in use at once and for people uh, for the people not to outnumber the slot machines, certainly. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the ones that are sitting there getting unused, uh, it, it does seem that it shouldn't really hurt things to reduce a little. But look, certainly slots are huge business. I find them the least interesting part of the gambling world because mm. it's the furthest possible thing from a skill game. And I prefer the skill games or at least the games like blackjack, where you get to make a decision. I won't call blackjack a skill game, but at least you have some input in the result. Um, about the only time I've found slots interesting was when writing those stories about advantage players capitalizing on poorly programmed online slots. Uh, but gamblers love slots. They accounted for 73% of all casino gambling revenue in Pennsylvania in 2018. So it's worth reporting on slots news from time to time. And I, I think this is one of those times. Yeah, uh, the age on that group is uh, <laughs> not working well for uh, actuaries, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, there there aren't too many activities that I'm uh, too young for anymore. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I'm sort of aging out of that crowd of, of being the young guy in many things. But when it comes to <laughs> playing slots, I might still be the young guy. Yeah, you missed out on pond hockey, but at least you <laughs> avoided slots. So that's there good. you go. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. If not for former New Jersey State Senator Ray Lesniak, there would almost certainly not be 10 states with legal sports betting right now and another eight states with legislation passed. Senator Lesniak was a key advocate for legalizing sports betting in New Jersey for roughly the last 10 years of his 35-year run in the state Senate, and he filed New Jersey's lawsuit that resulted in the overturning of PASPA last May. After butting heads with the sports leagues for so long, Senator Lesniak is a perfect person to talk to in light of the NFL news this week. Senator Lesniak, welcome back to Gamble On. Well, you know what? I'm always welcome to speak to uh, fellow sports fans who were deprived for years of the ability to make legal sports bets unless they lived in uh, or visited uh, Las Vegas or wanted to go to their local bookie or offshore internet site. This this makes it legitimate and also gives states like New Jersey, our casinos and our racetracks, it breeds life into that. These were failing industries uh, that are now have uh, optimism and hope and, and, and are attracting tourists that, uh, that did, did not have the opportunity when I started my fight more than 10 years ago. Yeah, it's it's been uh, just in this this first year or so of it. It's been a real boom for betters and operators alike. And um, uh, what I, we specifically want to zero in on on this NFL sport radar deal and get some of your thoughts on that. And when, when John 
interviewed you earlier this week about it, you quipped, I want a VIG. And, uh, and John used that as the lead of his story. <laughs> uh, now, needless to say, monetary compensation would be nice. But uh, on a purely emotional level, do you take satisfaction from watching sports betting grow like this and, and even seeing the NFL now embracing it? Well, first of all, let me say that on my Twitter account, oftentimes it, uh, 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 comments that uh, I can't believe that a politician talks about VIGs. And then <laughs> I, I mentioned something about, well, we covered the spread. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I do take uh, great satisfaction in the fact that um, uh, we, we have dying industries. We have 15,000. Uh, people uh, unemployed uh, in Atlantic City. Our racetracks were on the verge of closing within a couple of years. We have more horse acres of horse farms in New Jersey than any other state uh, in the nation. Uh, so um, I do take great satisfaction that uh, uh, you know I kept at it. Uh, I, had, I had to drag Governor Christie across the finish line. He kept throwing <laughs> obstacles in my way. Uh, but, uh, we overcame every single one of them and, uh, and, and made it to the finish line. All right. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, governor Christie, uh, Senator, um, you know, in New Orleans in January at a gaming event, uh, he told me that, um, sort of in the middle of the multi-year saga, he ran into NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell at the Manhattan restaurant. And, uh, they had a sort of a verbal sparring match on, uh, uh what was, what was the result going to be? And of course, uh, Christie and, and, and your side won. Um, I always meant to ask you, you know, did you ever hear from the NFL, the other sports leagues, either even before the referendum or before the lawsuit or, or during, or even after, or have you always been kind of distant from them? Yeah, no, I, I was totally distant. The only, the closest I got, was at a uh, and it was only a, 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 an attendee at a um, bar association sports betting conference in uh, in Washington D.C. where the counsel for the NFL I can't remember his name right now but I do know that he had at least he had a uh, a a, a, a pass signed by President uh, uh, Bush. And he made the pronouncement, you will never overturn PAPSA. And mm-hmm. um, I put that in my book and highlighted it, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, do, you wish, do you kind of wish that you know, maybe even before the uh, referendum or certainly before the lawsuit, that if you could have sat down with them, you could have figured out a way to work this out? Or You know, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I think they were just looking to figure the best way that they could make the most money uh, out of legalized sports betting, and and they hadn't figured it out yet, uh, and and that's why they were fighting it uh, to, tooth and nail. Um, could we have worked it out? Uh, with me, probably not. I was always confident we were going to win, hmm. and, and and didn't believe that they uh, they had much to offer. Um, so obviously, you know, we've all been very positive so far in, in this conversation about where things are going with sports betting. We're all excited about the rate at which it's growing and getting more mainstream. I'm curious if you feel that there could be a point where it goes too far. Like if the Giants have a FanDuel logo on their uniforms at some point in the future, if the main Fox broadcast of a game starts flashing all the betting odds on the screen, is there some potential point where you say, 
okay, I, I didn't mean for the sports and betting marriage to go this mainstream. Well, you know, I, I actually have complaints to our Division of Gaming Enforcement, uh, David Reebok, and they did take the ad off. Uh, there was an ad about somebody bragging about how he won uh, $300,000 and was able to buy a new pool for his house. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of stuff that, that I would object to. Uh, you know, overselling it, uh, uh, enticing people to bet over their over their heads. Um, you know, it, they they can look like NASCAR racer drivers, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, <laughs> with all their logos that they have on there. Right, <laughs> I got you. Okay, so it's, yeah, the the logos and all don't bother you. It's just the sort of encouraging the the unrealistic sports betting dream and that 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 sort of thing that fuels gambling problems. That's, that's more what you view as potentially over the line. Absolutely. And I believe every state and I, New Jersey, I know New Jersey does uh, make sure that we set aside revenue uh, for any problem gambling that ultimately exists. It it existed, whether uh, it was done offshore internet sites or through your local bookie uh, and, and, and should be taken care of. We should make sure that, we we're able to flag. We are a better able, by the way, to flag any uh, 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 such type of uh, activity that could lead uh, to uh, to a gambling problem. I think it's very important that every state uh, make sure that those resources are there to treat those people who can't handle it. There's people who can't handle a lot of things in life that everyone enjoys. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we can't stop uh, people enjoying things uh, because uh, there are some who, uh, who can't handle it, but we have to make sure that we are able to reach out, identify, and help them whenever we can. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, Senator, I'll get you into the uh, mind-reading game a little bit. Um, and you can see that even after the Supreme Court ruling last year, uh, the NFL obviously sort of battled against it for a year and now has kind of uh, come on board. The NCAA, and maybe for obvious reasons with college athletes, um, still is struggling with it. But then, you know, basketball, hockey, and, and uh, baseball really weren't that vocal throughout the saga. And then as soon as the the decision came, they seemed to flip on it pretty quick or even sooner. So, I mean, you know, looking back, I mean, do you think, uh, were all these leagues really against legalization of sports writing? Were any of them really against it, do you think? Or? You know, it, the, the, the vocal one was always both the NCAA and the NFL. And of course, as you know, the NCAA actually took action uh, against New Jersey and canceled any tournaments, uh, in New Jersey. And I remember saying at the time, once we legalize sports betting, the only place they're going to have be able to have a college tournament is in the state of Utah. <laughs> uh, so, um, I, I, look, I understand their concerns a little different from professional, uh, leagues and, um, look, the, the big money is, is bet on the NFL. Uh, we all know that, by the way, I expect soccer to, 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 to take off also, particularly in the state of uh, New Jersey. Can you imagine if the U.S. ever got into the Final Four with uh, Spain and Portugal and Brazil? You wouldn't be able to get a room in Las, in uh, Atlantic City. Like, or, uh, long lines at the Mammoth Racetrack uh, for those games. 
Yeah, one one follow up too on I, I mean to ask this too. Um, you know, you made the first winning bet obviously last year on the uh, uh, World Cup, um, and uh, you mentioned I think when you were growing up, uh, you went to the racetrack with your dad. I think it was Monmouth Park. Uh, so I'm curious in the past yeah. year, how often have you dabbled in uh, you know and in, in making bets? And uh, relatively speaking, are you a, a big better or a real small time player or not at all? You know, the interesting thing is I've, I lost all interest in betting uh, on sports, even though I would go to the racetrack all the time. One of the proudest moments of my life was when I touted all my friends that uh, uh, stage door Johnny was going to beat uh, forward pass uh, and knock him out of the triple crown at the, uh, at the Belmont. So it was a very important and interesting part of my life. But I've had other things. Politics has kept me a, a, a little uh, busy and, and away from uh, from, from Gat. I'm still rooting for my Rutgers team, so that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. And, <laughs> hold on. Hold, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me give your your listeners a tip. <laughs> oh, you, know, you can't do it in New Jersey. Rutgers basketball team will make the NCAA tournament this year. There, <laughs> there you, you go. go. Well, Eric's in Pennsylvania, so he's got an opportunity. And I want, and I want a big. I want a big. <laughs> if, 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 if it wins, you know what? I, I, will, I will log on in Pennsylvania as soon as we uh, hang up on this interview, and I'll, uh, I'll put a few bucks on Rutgers. And if, if it wins, I'll make sure you get a little cut. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Well, it's All been right. a, a pleasure speaking with you, Senator Lesniak. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Senator. Two men, $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. A quick note that the podcast is on vacation next week, so the bets we're about to make will need to tide us over for two weeks. And maybe a little vacation from betting is just what we need, since we continued to tread water with our bankroll last week. Uh, John lost $120 betting on Jason Day. Uh, we didn't even have a sweat on that one. He missed the cut. Uh, and I made $100 back with a bet on the Arizona Cardinals to cover a two-point spread in a preseason game, which they won by four <laughs> points. All skill, baby. Um, so that means we lost 20 bucks, putting us $103 in the hole overall. We also have $2,090 tied up in futures bets. Uh, and when we get back from our brief hiatus, it might be a good time to update our MLB futures and see what's looking good and what isn't as we'll be entering the stretch run of the baseball season. But for now, we have $7,807 to play with, and I'm up first. And hey, 2-0 on NFL preseason bets. Got to keep it going. Um, I'm betting on a Cardinals game again. This time, I'm betting $110 to win $100 that tonight's game against the Raiders will go under 40 points. That seems like a somewhat high total for preseason, especially for these teams. Uh, the Cardinals starters on offense are expected to play a few series, but still less than half the game. And I would expect Kyler Murray to still be figuring things out, not tearing it up. As for Oakland, I've been watching Hard Knocks, and that team is kind of a mess. Uh, we will see some Derek Carr this time, but probably just for a couple of series. And there's no Antonio Brown. Now that situation is a mess on top of a mess on top of a mess. Um, and Carr's backups, Mike Glennon and Nathan Peterman, are pretty bad, even for NFL backups. And we're going to see a lot of both of them. These offenses put up 17 and 14 points in their first preseason games. I don't see them doing a whole lot more than that tonight. So let's go under 40 points. 
All right. I guess I have to make a pick. So, um, yeah, I <laughs> just, pick, just you can always bet small amounts if you're not feeling. Yeah, confident. yeah. Uh, I picked Jason Day last week based in part on having legendary caddy Steve Williams on the bag. Um, Williams had won at Liberty National the same course with Adam Scott in 2013. Uh, I blame it on being a former caddy myself. You know, we take our job a little too seriously. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, on Monday, Day fired Williams and as a new caddy. So, um, yeah. So now with two. Two golf events to go. I'm going to go down swinging, I think, uh, likely sending another one out of bounds. But um, I will say I'm third out of 13 players in my very competitive season-long PGA Tour pool. So I've gotten a few things right. Um, I love John Rahm here, um, who people say an angry John Rahm. Is that the best John Rahm? I I think it is. Um, been very close. He had a two-shot lead on Sunday and blew it. Um, so 100 to win, 125, him just to get in the top 10. Um, and let me throw in 20 to win him or win me win us 230 <laughs> as the champion ah okay so a little uh, top 10 and a first place bet to go along yeah. with it all right go john rom uh with my next bet uh, i'm doing an nfl futures wager i see the line for rushing yards for sony michelle for the season is 999.5 I love the under there. Uh, Bill Belichick does not tend to consistently feature one back all season. He has James White and Rex Burkhead to mix in, plus rookie Damian Harris. Michelle is a decent running back, but from watching him last year, he doesn't seem like anything special to me. I think if he's healthy for all 16 games, that line, 1,000 yards, an average of 62.5 rushing yards a game, that's just about right. But with these NFL stats and going over and under there's always a little value in the under because injuries are such a big part of the sport. Obviously, if Michelle suffers a significant injury, and I'm not wishing it on him, of course, but if he does, we win. That's it. The bet is over. And if he suffers a minor injury and misses even two games, it's going to be hard to hit the over. Uh, So here goes. Again, not wishing for injury, uh, but if it happens, we may as well profit from it. So risking $220 to win 200, Sony Michelle under 999 and a half yards in this Belichick offense. Yeah, your your uh, picks are uh, allow you to bet to two twenty to win two hundred. I can't I can't be doing that the way I'm going. <laughs> but uh, no, I agree. Anything under a hundred yards from any running back in the NFL practically is uh, is pretty tempting because, like you said, anybody can get hurt. So I like that. I'm gonna go with different NFL futures here. Um, Dak Prescott wants forty million dollars. Well, I don't I don't think so. Mm. Uh, I don't think he goes over three thousand eight hundred and seventy five point five passing yards this year either. Um, 110 to win 100 on that because I can't justify risking 200 on anything, as I mentioned. Um, even if some of my futures bets look interesting, we'll talk about that in two weeks. But um, so it's just 110 to win 100. Okay, that's fine. It's I and the only reason I did 220, it was not so much confidence as uh, with a season long bet. I like to invest maybe a little more so that the season long sweat is worth it. But at the same time, you know, if you're not feeling uh, overly confident at the moment, you want to keep it uh, keep it limited to 110 bucks. Uh, I can support that. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Senator Lesniak. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan. And follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Remember, there is no show next week, so we will be back with more Gamble On on August 29th. Until then, John, please give us two weeks worth of pearls of wisdom and take us out.
Uh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, Eric. Um, you got to realize if this podcast lasts long enough, we go into syndication. I don't need critics <laughs> a decade from now complaining about recycled material, you know, from season one to season two. So I'll give you one pearl, although it is okay. a sequel, actually. So right. I mentioned last week that I was headed to Central Park on Saturday for my annual softball game. And uh, many of you are probably stunned that I'm here uh, actually broadcasting. But um, so, you know, many listeners may wind up in the same boat, right? The family or church picnic coming up, especially around Labor Day weekend. Um, you know, you want to play. You have that the aging ARP card in your wallet or purse. So here are my survival tips. Um, first, two Advils before the game. Clutch. Um, have two in your pocket, too. As soon as the game ends, yeah pocket those um secondly ideally make sure there are at least 20 or so players um and if so call dibs on dh uh, quickly um <laughs> failing that this was my scenario we didn't have 20 um have a glove which i did even if it was never been used as mine has never been used um at least not by me uh, i bought it used um then sprint or anything like that that you can do over to right field um in slow in slow pitch you may never have to handle a single chance um i did not in my two hours so nobody hit it there um most importantly and back to your opening story bat left-handed um if you bat righty in bad softball and you pull the ball no matter how feeble it is you have to run to first base the ball may well get thrown away or dropped and then you're stuck running the bases it's brutal uh, but if you bat lefty as i do um you can even hit rockets uh, to first or second base as long as they're right at that first or second baseman don't hit it over their heads um so then with any luck you're retired almost before you get out of the batter's box if they handle it cleanly and even if they fumble it with any luck they have plenty of time to throw you out so then you're off the bases so um you know no one's keeping score or to get back on topic of wagering um i don't think <laughs> so then you enjoy the post game libations as if you played even though really you didn't feel the single chance you never got on base so no one even noticed or at least you tell yourself that um, and that's the whole battle right there. So uh, I had a very successful afternoon and, uh, well, not playing softball well, but, <laughs> but I, I survived it and uh, no Charlie horses or hamstrings or whatever else you can come up with. So uh, until next time, and this time I mean in two weeks, everybody gamble on. <laughs>